0: Hello! Welcome to Basically Blind. I'm your host, Avery. This is a podcast where I share what it's like living with visual impairment as well as talking about different things around diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Um, We will see how long this podcast goes today, uh, and that is because I'm not feeling great, and that would be because I got my first round of the Moderna COVID shot. Um, And if anyone's listening and they have any sort of a disability, be sure to check with your, your state and county to see if you qualify to get a COVID shot because having a disability was the reason that I was able to get a vaccination. And I mean, now that I've gotten one, I, from what I hear, people's experiences vary a lot. Um, I had heard on different NPR and news stations about the side effects and how people reported soreness at the site of injection. Yeah, um, I feel like that was very underplayed. My arm is so sore. It feels like someone deliberately and very strongly punched me in the arm. And I'm right-handed, so I had my shot done on my left arm. Thinking, oh, well, you know, won't do my dominant side. I didn't think about the fact that I am a side sleeper, and more often than not, I sleep on my left side. So on top of just hurting... Um, I'm pretty sleep deprived too because it was really hard for me to get comfortable last night because just out of habit, I would start rolling onto my left side and then be just kind of shocked awake from a sharp excruciating pain. And I talked to a couple people today that have already gotten their second doses of the shot and they had said that the second dose for them was way worse than the first one. So I'm really hoping that maybe I'm one of those people where the first shot is rough on me and then the second one's fine because if this is just a pregame to what will occur the second shot, yikes. Uh, I will say I will probably be uh, pre-recording my episode that will air of the week that I get my second shot just just to be safe. So if anyone's out there and they're thinking that uh, they're going to be going to get a shot, just be prepared because when I heard soreness at site of injection, I just thought it was going to be like any other shot. Uh, And my parents both got the Johnson & Johnson shot, and apparently that one, it hurts quite a bit because the vaccine itself is pretty thick so you feel that shot going into you and when I got the shot um it really I I didn't even feel it and I hate shots I'm very I I would definitely be sensitive to the fact if there's a needle poking me I really didn't feel anything it's not the actual shot it's the aftermath that's not fun so far I just feel really achy so Be prepared, but I'm also just so thankful that these vaccinations are available to everyone um, or they will be available to everyone very soon so we can maybe get back to actually seeing people in real life because I think I speak for everyone that Zoom just doesn't cut it and it'd be great to actually hang out with your friends. But just wanted to share how I'm feeling today. Um, And then I dive into something a little different. Uh, A lot of the times, I'll try to explain to people just how exhausting it can be to have a disability. I believe I've talked about it on this show. Um, And I hadn't come across anything that really did it justice being able to explain it to someone until I discovered spoon theory and spoon theory has been used really regularly when you're trying to express to people the amount of energy put in if you're living with chronic illness and so it you can have this work within the world of disability but you can also make this broader and apply it really to any marginalized community. And the idea of spoon theory is that every day we wake up and we're each given the same amount of spoons, quote unquote. And a spoon represents a finite unit of energy output. So we're each we each wake up, we have 10 spoons and throughout the day when we do things, we have to give up a spoon to, to be able to get things done. So if you're a white able body male, getting out the door to work safely and on time, you know, if you're commuting, we're going to say that these are either pre or post COVID times. Maybe that takes you one spoon. But if you're a woman and you have a disability it could take you two or three just because if you're a woman you may be at a much higher likelihood to be harassed by someone or to be targeted and when you have a disability that's going to add on to the amount of energy that it takes to get yourself out the door and with each marginalized Population that you identify with that you compound onto that, you know, you can make the argument that more energy has to be used to just get through the day. So while one person who doesn't have a disability may get through the day and they've used all their spoons, or maybe they even have a spoon or two left over, if I were to be able to accomplish the same amount that that person is doing, I'm probably sitting at about negative three to negative five spoons by the end of the day. It's it's a massive undertaking. It's so exhausting. And something that people don't necessarily think about all the time is that something my friends will tell me, which I've brought up before, is that, oh, I, I don't even think of you as blind or having a disability or anything like that. Like, you're just Avery. And part of the reason is because, since I had 2020 vision until I was 10 years old, I know all the visual cues. I know all the stuff that you're supposed to be doing even if it doesn't really serve me anymore. So, as an example, if if I'm at a meeting or a presentation, and there's a PowerPoint going on or someone speaking, it doesn't help me to look at the PowerPoint presentation. I, I can't see it. If I know that I'm going to be somewhere where there is a presentation and I have the ability to get that ahead of time, then I'll get it and bring my own computer so I can follow along that way and be able to see it. But a lot of times that isn't an option, especially if it's For example, attending a webinar or something like that, uh, where I'm just a member of the public attending. For, webinars are a little different since I can zoom my screen, but if I'm in person attending an event, it, it makes no sense for me to actually be staring at the presentation screen, but I still do. And when I'm in a meeting and someone is speaking Looking at them, I can't see their facial cues. I can't see any of that. Looking at them is not adding anything to the conversation for me. Matter of fact, if I'm not looking at them and I'm just having to concentrate on what they're saying, I'm actually going to absorb more of what is being communicated. But I know that it's important so that I blend, for lack of a better term, to engage in these behaviors. That don't necessarily help me, but it helps other people around me be more comfortable around me. So, even just being in a meeting for me, having a visual impairment, and there's a lot of people that just the fact of being in a meeting, if they have any sort of disability, can be really exhausting on a completely different level than someone who doesn't have a disability. You know, if it's a large meeting and you have social anxiety, that can be a lot, especially if you're going to get called on to speak. Um, if, you're, if you have a disability where it, it's hard for you to stay seated for a long period of time, then that's hard. If you have a hearing impairment, then you're probably really concentrating on what's being said and really trying to read people's lips. If you have a visual impairment and they have visual aids that they're using, you're in your head trying to kind of construct whatever is up there based off the descriptions given. And sometimes people really do a horrible job at doing presentations. They're like, well, and as you can see here, here's the chart moving on. And it's like, okay, I I have no idea what information was on that slide, And I'm usually the person at the end of a presentation that is like, oh, hey, can you um... Would you mind emailing out that slide deck? I'd love to be able to review that more. I, that's usually me because I wasn't able to see the presentation the first go around. And then I do luckily have an incredibly good memory. So I can kind of end up piecing things together based off of how they were said and things that were alluded to um, during the discussion. But, you know, what I'm trying to say here is that. With spoon theory, with that whole idea of it takes more spoons for someone with a disability to do someone that doesn't have to think about that because you don't have to put a ton of effort into it. It also takes extra energy when you have a disability to try to make sure that people are comfortable around you because I mentioned it in the very first episode. It can be incredibly isolating to be the only person you know that's like yourself with whatever condition that you have. Or even if you do know other people with it, um, you may not interact with them on a daily basis or they may not be in your workplace. So you don't have that person to commiserate with in that moment. So you you have to really go out of your way to make sure that other people that are quote-unquote normal – I don't really like terming it that way, but according to our society, other people that aren't able-bodied and don't have to to deal with it, taking, taking into account that something about them that's different could be off-putting. It's just, oh, I, I can't, I imagine how nice it would be to go through life without having to worry about that but it's just, it's not my reality. Like I said, I have to imagine it. And it's, it makes me tired just thinking about it. And that's on top of me feeling incredibly lethargic from my COVID shot. But you, you never want to stick out in a bad way. And so you have to put a lot more energy into that camouflage. Whereas if, you know, you you don't have to. Like it, it just that's less spoons. And the more things that put you to not have an identity where you are associated with having more social power. So whether that's a woman, a racial minority, a person with disabilities, veteran status, your age, depending on what uh, circumstance it is, uh, your education level, all those things like you're going to have to work so much harder to just do what is needed to get by that day, and you are spent completely. I have had a really hard time, especially in the last, I'd say, year for sure, and probably a couple times before that. I'm always someone that likes to be really involved, really in the thick of things and when I'm especially with work, I always feel like I have something to prove at any company that I'm at. And I I have burned myself out hardcore, especially the last couple jobs I had. I really I really just grinding myself down to what felt like a shell of the human that I was. Because you're so appreciative to have gotten the job because you've gone through, I don't know how many interviews at that point where it doesn't work out. And I know I'm not the only person. I'd heard a podcast with someone else where they had talked about how they were really well qualified and they had a disability and they didn't think it would take that long for them to get a new job based off of their resume. And it took it took years. It took a couple years to be able to get a new position. And I've been in, I've been in that exact same situation where I have friends that they'll start job hunting maybe a month after me. Like a job they had was like contract or something and it closes out. And I'm sitting there and I've been job hunting for three months already. And, you know, I had a friend that she did a job hunt and it took about, I think about two months. And then she got a new position, whereas around that same time, same job market with very similar resume, I even had a little bit more work experience. It took me a year and a half to get a position that wasn't even fully related to everything that I had done previously. It wasn't specifically doing work within marketing or social media. It was this very hybrid role. So, you know, it's you you get these positions and then it took you so long and it was so hard to just to get it. And when you're interviewing too, that's another time that you will use more "quote unquote" spoons because I'm sitting there and I'm making sure in my head that I'm not um, that I I'm I'm trying as hard as I can to be looking at the person to not look like I'm I'm looking past them, which can be tricky with my condition. Um, As well as I get really nervous about my nystagmus. I had gone to dinner with a friend once, and it was shortly after I had my nystagmus diagnosed, I thought I had noticed that my vision seemed to be shaking a bit, but I thought maybe it was just in my head. I went to the doctor and they're like, no, like your eyes are literally shaking. So that's, it's not in your head. It's real, which it, w- I mean, it wasn't fun to hear, but at least I knew that I wasn't just imagining it. And when I brought it up, I was like, yeah, I got diagnosed with a nystagmus. Like, brought this up to this person over dinner. They go, yeah, I had been noticing your shaking, the shaking of your eyes. And it's honestly kind of unsettling. And from that point on, I've always been like super self conscious about <laughs> my nystagmus, as well as I talked about multiple times before how people will think, that since my I, my pupils are so dilated that if I meet them in a social environment, especially, they'll think that I'm on drugs because that's how it will look if someone is on Molly or something like that. And so it's just all these extra things that I have to take into account and try to convey that, hey, yeah, I'm I'm not on drugs. And this isn't the case and i'm i'm overcompensating all the time i guess that that's a way like not only is it with spoon theory that it just it takes me more energy to do the same thing as someone who doesn't have a disability but it also i'm i constantly feel the need to overcompensate for my quote unquote shortcomings to to make it so that i feel like i should be valued just as much which i know saying that out loud it sounds Awful, but I haven't been proven differently by society. I have been shown that I have to just work so much harder. And you hear people in all kinds of different marginalized communities say the same thing, where you have to work so much harder, put in 10 times the amount of effort to get that same outcome as someone who, who doesn't have to have those barriers and adversity in front of them. And it just, it just catches up to you. It catches up to you so quickly. And I've had to honestly take a step back when it comes to work. I've been seeing all of these positions at different companies coming through on my LinkedIn for diversity, equity and inclusion roles at some really good companies too and i'm i'm not sure if i'm at a place yet where i can go into a traditional office environment and perform at my best because i wore myself down so much in my previous roles that It's taking a really long time to bounce back, which for me is really hard to grapple with because I'm the type of person that I have two speeds. I'm either on or I'm off. So me trying to find this balance between being on but not going pedal to the metal, full throttle all the time where it's legitimately just a matter of time before I have no more energy left to give, I have to find that balance where I, before it was either I'm going all in or I'm just, I'm, I'm off. I don't want to be on my phone. I don't want to check my emails. I don't want to do any of that. So for, for me, it's just this constant tug of war and I'm more productive when I am busy. So having this free time, it's good for me and at the same time, it's, it's awful. The best thing I'd say is that it's been giving me more time to just really pick the things that I care about that I want to put my my time into. I was recently approached to be part of um, a board that's launching a project for my, um, my sorority that I was part of in college. And so that's an organization that I felt gave me a lot. And so'm I'm, I'm excited to be able to give back to that, as well as other opportunities that you know are are non-paid that I'm able to meet new people and learn new things, whether that's around uh, the the community of people with disabilities in the area or you know other nonprofits such as Junior League that I'm am a part of. And so, I guess I'm chasing joy right now. That sounds oh, that sounds really douchey to say, but I'm just I'm trying to find the things that make me feel happy because there was a time in my life where marketing made me really happy. And then it was just so much effort. and I, whether it was intentional or not, there was just such a lack of understanding. And grace around how much more work I had to put into things to get things done. And just there wasn't an understanding there. They it really ruined it for me. <laughs> it's it's hard to love something still when it continues to not love you back. And I think that's something that everyone can relate to, whether it's your career, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a relationship, romantic or friendship, it gets incredibly hard to continue to show up and be your best self every single day when you feel as though it doesn't matter what you do, it's never going to be good enough. So this went into a lot of different directions, but the main piece to remember with spoon theory and one of the great things with this is that you, if you're trying to demonstrate to a group of people, you can actually give people like spoons or pens or something and, and hand it out to each person and be like, okay, like, how this is, this is what you want to get done today. How much energy do you think you'll have to do for each one of these? And then people can parse that out and then, you know, add on, okay, well, um, if you are the person who's like trying to explain to someone, you have a chronic illness and, or disability and you go, okay, well, you said it takes you this many for me. Like, you know, that took you two spoons for me. That takes four. You said this takes you one spoon. For me, that takes two. This takes you two. That actually, that takes me five spoons because there's a lot more things involved with that for me. And you're able to have this visual representation of when it comes down to it, I can have that same to-do list as someone else. But realistically, either I'm going to be working a lot longer to get that to-do list done or I'm just not going to get to it because it takes more time. It takes more energy. It takes so much more effort to be able to do things a little bit differently and to simultaneously be doing my best to make sure that I'm not making people around me uncomfortable due to my vision because there have definitely been times where I've felt like that's been the case and so that's a, a great way to try to explain to people what it is like when you have some sort of adversity that makes things more difficult for you and With that, I'll see you next time. Bye.